Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Muy buenos días, feliz viernes a todos. Bienvenidos a Latino Founder Hour Podcast. Les saluda Edgar Navas, fundador de Clica. Y Silvia Salazar, fundadora de Tono Latino. ¿Cómo está, Silvia? Bien, pero estás muy lejos. Ven, a pégate. Ver, es que estamos live. Más. Estamos live en Instagram y en Facebook, eh, en, en arroba mi clica. Y bueno, pues le queremos dar la bienvenida desde Austin, Texas, a, un, a una persona, un, un, el hermano de un amigo mío acá en, en Portland, Miguel Fernández Richards. ¿Cómo estás, Miguel? Buenos días. Saludos, Silvia y Algar, gracias. Y, y como te les digo, me, me acabo de enterar que es hermano de, de una persona que conozco aquí, de, de José Fernández. Él es un inversionista en, en startups. Y, y bueno, pues el que nos refirió a ti. Eh, cuéntanos un poquillo, para la gente que no te conoce, de, de dónde vienes, Miguel. Y, do, y, y bueno, ¿dónde estás? Yo estoy en Austin, Texas, pero soy un fundador boricua. Eh, soy puertorriqueño, criado y nacido en, en Puerto Rico. De hecho, mi cofundador y CTO, Cristian, eh, también es boricua, este, pero estamos acá con nuestra sede en Austin, Texas. Oye, ¿cómo, cómo, llegaron, eh, ¿cómo llegaron a Austin? ¿Estudiaste tú ahí en UT o...? No, como, como muchas personas, eh, me casé con una mujer de Austin y aquí estoy. Ah, la, la, la respuesta fácil. Excelente Así. respuesta. Felizmente casado todavía, pero fue por, fue por mi mujer que estoy en Austin, Texas. Okay. Ah. Es igual a mí cuando me preguntan cómo llegaste a Portland. Es la igual verdad. que mi esposo cuando le preguntan cómo llegó Tal a Portland. Cual. Tal cual. Así es, entonces ya con eso despejamos esa duda. Bueno, y, y, y cuéntanos este, qué es Claimbot y cómo la fundaste. Eh. Claro, claro. Soy el, el fundador de Claimbot. Eh, voy a cambiar a inglés porque lo tengo. Llevo eh, cinco meses hablando con inversionistas, haciendo nuestro pitch y lo tengo. Pero perfectísimo en inglés. En inglés. <ríe> y entonces me sale el Spanglish Boricua cuando lo, cuando okay. lo pitcheo en, en español. Eh, nosotros en Claimbot, we are a, a Google-backed conversational AI startup. Um, we're focused on auto and insurance. So what does a conversational AI startup mean? Um, it means that we use artificial intelligence to improve every interaction uh, that an auto driver or insurance customer has um, with that company. And we're able to automate anything from a claim uh, to quoting a policy to resetting the Wi-Fi on your vehicle uh, using chatbots that automate those processes and enhance them. Um, in a way that's really easy for customers and cost efficient for uh, the auto and insurance companies that use us. Oh, wow. Este, so it, it sounds heavy. So are you Google back? What does that mean? Does that mean that Google invested in you guys? Yeah, so we were a bootstrapped uh, company. Um, again, about two years old. We went through an accelerator in San Juan, Puerto Rico uh, called Parallel 18. So we had the only money, outside money, that Claimbot had for a while was an equity-free grant from Parallel 18 in San Juan, Puerto Rico, which is a great accelerator program that I recommend to anyone. And then bootstrapped through um, some pretty good revenue. And once we got to those revenue milestones, we went out to raise a pre-seed round. 
So we just closed a pre-seed round in March 1st, and that round was led by Google. Uh, Google has an investment program called the Google Assistant Investment Program. Okay. I should say that again. Google Assistant Investment Investment Program that invests in the chat ecosystem in companies that can obviously amplify and augment what can be solved via chat and voice. Oh, wow. Okay, that I didn't know. So is that, is that Google for entrepreneurs or is it just a venture uh, side of Google? It's a venture side of Google. So there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of venture plays at Google. This one focuses on the chat and voice ecosystem. So it's called Google Assistant Investment Program. Oh wow. Okay, yeah, that I, that I didn't know. I mean, I, I knew Google had investments, but I didn't know that was like pretty. Um, uh, I don't know specific to a sector. Yeah, yeah. So um, they they are obviously looking at uh, startups like Claimbot that can add to the ecosystem of their Google Assistant world. And they know that auto is a very key place uh, to, to innovate and to deliver like convenient services for customers. So that's, that's how they, they were interested in us. Okay. Well, and it goes along with, there was the uh, Google event where they did the demo where you were talking to a robot and you didn't realize you were talking Actually, to talking a robot. You like yeah. asked Google to go and make, you know, um, dinner reservations for you and it, it like the person answering the phone from the restaurant didn't realize that it was talking to Google and it wasn't talking to a human. Oh, wow. Exactly. So it wouldn't surprise me if Google, I mean, I'm not surprised at all that Google is supporting startups that are probably going to innovate in this space and later they will consider either acquiring them, acquiring mm -hmm. their IP, etc. to continue with this with this trend. Yeah, so, so is that part of a program or is that just literally money and, and then Google sits in the, you know, in the back and waits for you to develop or, or are you in, in, in a different type of accelerator? No, it's, it's literally money. They, they invested on, on a safe note on our pre-seed round. Oh, I see. I see. But, yeah, but we have I, some I, access to good resources over there that are going to help us um, accelerate some of the things we're doing with our um, AI. Okay. But, uh, it's not an accelerator or a program or anything like that. I see. And how do you guys uh, find that program? I mean, who 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 refer you, or or, you, uh, or how did I, how did I come to place? Yeah, that's a that's a great question and one I'm pretty proud of. So, um, one of the first things I did when I founded Claimbot, um, I knew I was going to sell to the insurance space. So I, I created a meetup. It's called InsureTech Austin. Now has 300 members. Um, but I also connected very closely with the conversational technology community here in Austin, Texas, right? So I need to be able to bring people to a room that are going to buy our technology, um, either in auto and insurance. So I created a meetup to do that. Um, and then I connected with uh, chat meetups here in Austin, Texas to recruit people. Actually, uh, one of the great employees we have on the, on the company came from these chat meetups that we go to. We learn, we find great people who are passionate about conversational interfaces, and we bring them into the company. Um, in that ecosystem in Austin, I partnered with a couple of companies to host an event during South by Southwest in 2018. Yeah, last year. Okay. And that event was at my house. And the founder of the Google Assistant Investment Program, Ilya, uh, came to that event. And uh, I like to tell people that I treated him like a lady. I said, come on in. Here's, here's the brisket. Have a drink. Oh, meet some people. I, see. I, I introduced him to uh, some founders that I thought were at a great place for him to have conversations. Claimbot was actually not at a place to have conversations about raising around at the time. Um, we then got uh, traction, brought our SaaS revenue to $300,000 uh, at about fall of last year, and I quickly called him up. 
And uh, that's where it started. So that's that's Fantastic. how Kmart got to to speak to Ilya at uh, Google Assistant Investments. Interesting. And I don't know if it's just me, but I think it would completely stick out. The guy that invited you to his house to give you the brisket and treat you <laughs> so nicely. It would yeah. stick out from any other entrepreneur that tried Absolutely. to invite you and to get your attention somehow. I think you totally win that <laughs> she, crown she for said, sure. You had me at brisket. Yes. <laughs> these are these Cheesy are things credit. I learned at uh, at two like a couple of awesome places. So I worked at startups here in Austin, Texas, before founding Claimbot. I worked at Mass Relevance and Spreadfast, and uh, Mass Relevance and Spreadfast sold enterprise software to uh, marketers and agencies and brands. And the best way they did that, what I learned from them was they held events, right? Like no one wants to talk to you about selling software, buying software. Let's have an event. Let's bring people together. Let's organize some content that's valuable to me and my profession. And mm -hmm. uh, that'll start a conversation on how our enterprise software can help you achieve your goals. Uh, so I learned that while I was at Spreadfast and Mass Relevance, and I mimicked that at Claimbot. And I believe that event marketing is something we do uh, very, very well. Beside those professional opportunities, my mom and my dad were very good at doing that. So I was being both my mom and my dad when Ilya walked into our house. <laughs> uh, so it was great. We got an investor and, uh, and an employee out of that event, and we'll continue to invest in that space because I think it's a smart way to go to market. That's an awesome story. And, and yeah, for anyone that's out there, you know, see the value in this. And, you know, Sylvia and I talk about this frequently. There's a lot of events out here in Portland, and I'm sure in Austin and, and other markets mm -hmm. for startups. But at some point, you're like, okay, no, I'm not going to get involved because I don't see any value. It's more networking, more blah, 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 and nothing gets done. Uh, but ultimately, like you you know, so, uh, something more intimate that, you know, probably puts your guard down. You're like, okay, nobody's going to sell me anything. Nobody's going to pitch me anything. I'm just going to go and listen and have a good time. But, boom, you know, you end up with an investment. Yeah, yeah, an investment and, a, and an awesome employee who's, who's really yeah. killing it as well. <laughs> I think That's also awesome. the fact, I don't know, for me, the, the fact that it's in a house, you already can picture in your head that this cannot be too big. So like you said, it, it has to be semi-intimate because how many, I mean, unless you have a humongous house, I know things in Texas are bigger than here in Portland, but uh, unless you have a humongous house, you're going to be able to invite a limited number of people mm -hmm. to your home. Uh, to host them, and it feels more intimate and oh, absolutely. less less of what you just said of like, and oh, networking. it's just another. I mean, there's events every single day. Yeah. And at one point, you have to make this decision of, okay, am I really going to go spend three hours in an event and maybe run into somebody or three hours that I could do work? Mm -hmm. eh. Yeah. This event was during South by Southwest, and a lot of what you're saying happens during South by, right? It's all... Yeah. Big parties where people are there for free beer and free pizza. Um, perhaps people who are at South by for the first time. They aren't necessarily sophisticated buyers or people who are decision makers. Um, so I'm not, you know, I like having fun, but we had some goals. Uh, we set, you know, my house is a, a mile and a half, two miles away from downtown. So even having that barrier, I thought, brought kind of quality people to the event. We did it again last year, and Ilya was a speaker. Actually, this March, we did oh, it wow. again, and Ilya was a speaker at our event. Um, but we always try to find ways to, to help us bring a really valuable crowd together. Um, but it says a lot about the people that come, right? Like, oh, they came two miles away, you know, in an Uber drive. Like, this is a yeah. person I want to meet, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. That, that, that's yeah. an investment, yeah. And it's quality versus quantity. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
So I'm passionate about event marketing. <laughs> no, I like it. Uh, and, you know, I, I can tell you, you know, you know how, um, you, you know, your brother has known, you know, we more from a technology, just pure technology company platform into event marketing now. So we're, you know, yeah. doing events for, you know, at first we did it for us as well. But now we're doing it for people in the entertainment industry. You know, we got an event coming up in the Dolby Theater in L.A. So because that's what we see it. I mean, we see the value rather than starting conversations and obviously drawing eyes to to what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so very cool. So, so tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what was the process like, you know, to, you know, to starting the company with, uh, I mean, who, who, who uh, funded the first, you know, couple lines of code? Um, that was uh, bootstrapped. Um, I funded it myself and invested in the company to get it off the off the ground. So I'll, I'll tell you kind of the the inception or or genesis of it. So I was a uh, I had failed at a startup in in San Juan. So I lived in San Juan, Puerto Rico, with my wife, where my kids were born from 2007 to 2014. Uh, I'm a ad guy. I'm an ad beast. I was a creative director for for 10 years. I, I wrote. Um, and managed creatives uh, creating advertising. And I became enamored with social media and technology and its application to marketing at the time and very quickly grew frustrated with the ability to innovate in advertising because these are risk-averse customers. Mm. Um, it was very hard to convince them. So I started playing around. I was a Twitter nerd, and I actually launched a neighborhood watch uh, that connected my neighbors in Miramar in San Juan, Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. um, using Twitter, SMS, and a very uh, rinky-dink uh, mobile site. And all of a sudden, I had kind of like next door in. I was yeah. gonna say that. Yeah. I'm like, wait, you invented I had next, next door. door in 2012. <laughs> oh my I god. Had next door in 2012. <laughs> so you, and, I mean, uh, you I did fail. You, you <laughs> I, broke ground for somebody <laughs> for somebody else. Yes. It was, uh, it was a beautiful failure, and it taught me so many things that are a part of my life right now. Um, and it made me quit my job in advertising and try to launch a company. And, and that was a very, it was a year and a half. Uh, I, I couldn't really commercialize it at the time. And that's when we decided with a clean slate to move to Austin, Texas. And mm. with the product development experience I gained uh, running a community digital watch um, and my marketing background, I landed jobs as a product manager at startups that sold software to marketing pe people. So I, I worked remotely for a company called Rebel Mouse in New York, and then Mass Relevance in Austin, Texas, and then that became Spreadfast in Austin. Um, so I was a product manager there and leading teams of engineers building software on top of social media APIs. And I start seeing these rumblings in my second year. I'm about to vest my second year of those jobs. And I see some rumblings that Mark Zuckerberg is going to announce at the F8 Developers Conference that he's opening up the SDK. So he's opening up the Messenger platform for us to develop disposable applications uh, within Facebook Messenger. And I see the explosion of chat. And I knew that there was a lot of value there. I bought myself a, a ticket to F8 myself. Um, and I went out there and I warned my wife. I said, I think there's something really big that's about to happen. I think the way customers are going to interact with companies, which has been maybe by the phone or in applications that you have to download and update every so often, and there's so much friction in that, I think it's going to change. And I think we're going to be able to have disposable interactions with companies in the channels that you and I communicate in, right? I'm talking to Edgar on WhatsApp and I want to solve something with my insurance company. Or I'm talking to my wife and 
messenger and I want to ask my, my auto um, rental company a question. I don't want to have to download something that I need to maintain. I don't think these companies are app worthy. So I bought this ticket out to F8 and at the same time, um, a company, not a company, a program in Puerto Rico called Code Trotters introduces me to my CTO. Code Trotters is a program in San Juan, Puerto Rico that matches talented developers with startups, which, by the way, I didn't have one yet. I was still employed at Spreadfast with uh, startups uh, stateside. So I start discussing with Christian. I see Mark Zuckerberg present the future of chat and the way AI is going to power automated customer service on chat. And while I'm still in San Francisco, Christian says yes to an offer to come to Austin the summer of 2016 to start building ClaimBot. So I came back to Austin. I quit my job. And uh, here we are. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. Yeah. In like so many different levels. I need to just ask a weird question. Like, what does your wife do and why is she such a, <laughs> like, she's a very good wife. She's an incredible wife. Um, and I think that's uh, some of the smarter investors, including uh, one of them who invested um, in this round, will ask you that very question. What does your mm -hmm. partner do? Why does she support you, right? Like, so it's like there's the runway of cash, there's the runway of passion, and then there's the runway of how much more can your family take of this crazy thing you're about yes. to start? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's a question. And that's and the, the most reason, important one. Yeah, I think. and the reason why I ask that is because I also have a saint of a husband. I haven't <laughs> had the pleasure to meet Edgar's wife, but I think I'm going to hug she's her when I meet her because saint. she's amazing. Yeah, and talking about the, the runway, about pa runway of patience. I know, I know. Yes. That's the thing, that my husband has been very patient with me, very supportive uh, in so many different levels. And that is something that a lot of people don't understand, especially if you're like in the corporate world. You don't have these kind no. of demands that you have in a startup. And so that's why when you go and tell your wife, oh, I'm going to go to F8 and see how this goes and this might be big. You need to have a special kind of wife to, to, to hang there to say, with yes, you. That sounds like a great idea. I yeah. do, I do. So Veronica, Veronica is a, a finance professional. She worked at American Express in, uh, in corporate finance for uh, 11 years. Uh, that stability allowed me to launch that first failed startup that we called a, a beautiful failure earlier. Um, now she's uh, more dedicated to um, some nonprofit work, but she is the chief operating officer and CFO of this company. Oh. Um, she helps us run the financial models. Um, if it wasn't for her, uh, fundraising would have taken a lot longer um, and is helping us operate a company that has uh, employees in South Carolina, San Francisco, and Austin. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and managing that has been uh, incredibly helpful. So that's, that's Veronica for you. She, she definitely is a big part of this company. In, in a lot of ways. Okay. Yeah. You know, toast, that's, toast, yeah. To toast to Veronica. Yeah. Uh, and I love that she's the CFO. Yeah, she's the one that runs the number. And, and yeah, like, like you well, said, you, that, that might have taken longer, you know, without the financial modeling and uh, I think and it adds, the fact that she's, I mean, CFO and married to the founder adds a, a, an extra layer of, not, I don't want to say caution, but just very, you know, Hawkeye with the numbers and the finances because it's different when you're spending other people's money. Oh, absolutely. When you're it's, managing um, somebody else's money, it's like, eh. But it, when it's your baby or your husband's baby, like brain baby, then yeah, yeah you're way more cautious. It's not a, it's not my forte. I'm a, I'm a creative product person, um, and having her ability to very quickly um, tell stories with financial data has helped me incredibly. 
especially for your pitches and for the investors, for sure. Be like, yeah, this is how you paint. Calls with like <laughs> 12 investors and I know every answer and it's because I've been briefed and taught um, by her. <laughs> no, that's great. Hey, Miguel, Since we're, but we're speaking gonna, about money. Yeah, we're talking about money. Let, let, we're going to do a quick pause, just 20 seconds, 30 seconds, uh, you know, to, to pay the bills here. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Dale adelante. Hey. CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize has broken down PR into a modular setup, keeping quality high and simply charging fees for the targeted PR you require. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Claudia and Edgar sent you. Bueno, ya estamos de regreso con Miguel Fernández. Este fascinante historia. Hey, hey, oh, voy a regresar en Claimbot. Switch. Sí. Switch Boop. English. Sí, porque estábamos hablando en español ahorita. Like the button on Buzz Lightyear in the back of his... No, okay. But yeah, no, Miguel. I mean, this is you know, uh, you just opened my, my eyes to something like you know, talking about the, the very sophisticated investor talking about your wife. I'm like, oh, you know what? I didn't think about that way because I did have a dinner one time with our lead investor, which I love by the way. He's one of my my, my good mentors, and it was like, yeah, but now right now I just click and I'm like, okay, he wanted to see what his investment. <laughs> no, I'm not. He, he's he's a good man. He's phenomenal. <laughs> but I was like, ah, smart, very smart. He's a truly intelligent person. Saludos a Joaquin, Joaquin Lipicon. Um, but yeah, no, you, you you're right. I mean, th this is something that that goes beyond just pure numbers. It's your ability to withstand the punishment of on, on a startup. Endurance. Seriously. It's an endurance It's a marathon. Test. Uh -huh. Ultra marathon. No, I th it's like an Ironman. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Very clean. Very yeah. clean Ironman. So, I, I, yeah. But you mentioned, so you have three locations. How big is your team, Miguel, right now? Um, right now, we're five people. Five people in hiring. <laughs> oh, what are you hiring for? We're hiring for, we need some dev talent. Uh, we need some front-end uh, developers, full-stack developers. Okay. And we could also look, uh, we're looking to hire in sales as well. All right. Well, we, we could yeah. put it out there. Uh, and are you Please. are you looking for local developers or some? I mean, is there something we can help? Because we, you know, we know people, again, in, in all the markets, uh, that they have to be bilingual or just English, or you you, you don't care as long as they can well, code. As long as they, they need to speak code. Code. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, you know, one of the. Um, Como te digo, one of the one of the cultural values of the company is is just the word anywhere. So I was in Austin, Texas, uh, for the whole entire year and a half. Uh, my CTO and co-founder Christian was in San Juan. Actually, he was in Mayagüez, in Mayagüez, Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. uh, he was remote. Eliani, who's the third person who joins the company, has been in Puerto Rico all that time as well. Um, they have decided to work with Claimbot, and they can work with Claimbot from anywhere in the United States. The only okay. reason we limit it to the United States is it's a little bit easier on the health plan, the taxes, and the paying, and the yes. payroll, and the reporting. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Legal. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Puerto Rico, U.S. is great. And what anywhere means is, as Christian was finishing some things in my iOS, and Eliani wanted to move to South Carolina, and Christian wants to move to San Francisco now, you can work for Claimbot from from anywhere in the United States. 
as long as in exchange for that flexibility, you provide us the flexibility and the attitude that says like, I'm going to jump in anywhere in this code base. I'm going to help wherever I can help. Maybe you're a developer and you might have to help us with one of those events that we're having in two weeks. So as a culture, we're trying to show each other that, that anywhere is an important value that helps me be happy with my family here in Austin, Texas, but help anyone kind of meet their personal goals as well while helping ClaimBot move forward. I like it. Yeah. And, well, and, and I also think right now we have so many different tools where you can manage, you know, Slack, Asana, Trello, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, program management tools, team management tools, communication, the and things like Zoom to hop into calls that you don't necessarily need to be face-to-face -face yeah. all the time. Yeah, yes, Slack. it helps to be together every once in a while mm -hmm. for sure. It but does. It, it's important. It's important. But we we can we probably are more productive when we're not together and then we can be productive in very short um stints of time yeah. where we collaborate, you know, um very prescribed on what that's gonna be. Uh as far as Slack, it's the lobby of our company. It's when you walk into the building, people say hi to you in Slack. Slack <laughs> is our building and Slack is where the culture of this company is is felt. Especially as a developer, I'm a former software engineer. So as a former software engineer, I know that you just need to be alone. Uh, less human interaction helps your productivity. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You I mean, when I worked in marketing teams, it was very different because you mm -hmm. need to bounce ideas. You need to talk. And then when somebody says something, I mean, Miguel is the creative. So he yeah. probably needs to talk to people. But the developer needs to not talk to people. Yeah, to he needs to focus on his code. Yeah. The, and that's why I was so good at working really late at night because everybody would go home and I didn't have All a husband. I didn't have any anybody to go home to. I had a cat and he was being fed anyway. So I could code in silence and then my productivity would go up. But when there's people coming over like, hey, do you want to go get a coffee? Hey, do you want to go get lunch? Hey, what's going I'm like, just, just go away. Go away. <laughs> I need to write code. <laughs> no? I'm Edgar is looking at I, <laughs> behind I his sunglasses. Edgar is looking at me like I'm a crazy person. No, I, um, I know the coders. Yeah, no, no, I, I, no, I don't do that. But so, but that was me. But that's how we run our business too. I mean, we you know have remote location and we we have all that Asana, Trello, Basecamp. Yeah. Everybody does what you know they're supposed Slack. to be doing, and we have visibility. So I think that's a, I mean, for especially for a startup, you know, when you're trying to you know grow, bootstrap it, or with limited resources, and yeah, anything that you can raise. Exactly. Just, yeah. And the people, if you find a good person, keep them where they are. Yeah. They're happy there. You can continue developing your product. Yeah. And what are what have you? What are the challenges that you've seen, Miguel, in in, in working like that with a, a team pretty much that is all 100% remote? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'm a positive guy, so I'm going to go a little bit. Because actually, some investors are very hesitant uh, mm -hmm. about a, a fully remote team. Um, but on the positive side, you know, we're a small company that was bootstrapped for a while and we're trying to be very smart with our money and we live in a very competitive market. So I need to compete with um, Apple, Google, HomeAway and Dell in this metro market for my talent. Mm -hmm. um, and by opening it up and letting people live where they want to live, it allows us to recruit incredible people. So that's that's the positive side. I think the, the hardest part is... That idea that you are productive individually, um, as uh, Silvia said, can also like it, it can't go on for too, too long. Right. So we yeah. need to have the ability to ask questions. There might be knowledge in one of our heads that we're not 
you know, so like sometimes developers want to solve something on their own, right? And there might be just a question that moves you forward and saves you a lot of time. Um, so I think really the, the communication is, is a challenge and you need to invest uh, to be able to keep that communication going. Totally. No, no, it, there it is, is important. extra yeah. work, I think, that needs to be done with remote teams to, to build mm -hmm. the, you know, the camaraderie. And yeah. No, but but more, I, I agree with Miguel. It's like problem solving because there's so much you can do, and even in creative. Yes. I mean, that's why creative is bouncing off ideas because you know you're like, oh my gosh, what you just said is brilliant, and that's you know putting my mind to work as well. And Miguel is right. I mean, if you have a question, you need to know that you're as a coder, you should be able to go to somebody and ask them. Yeah. But um, do they? For the most, yeah, you hesitated to know. No, well, here's my thing. There's there's a couple of different factors with with coders, with developers. I think there's, um, I'm not just blanket statement, but more socially awkward people mm -hmm. tend to become coders because it's a very lonely job, which is something that they like. So they're less prone to reaching out and asking. So Human there's a, there's a, yeah. yeah. So there, sometimes you just have to like, force it a little bit and be like, okay, we're going to have a meeting and like staff yeah. meeting or whatever you want to call it. Well, one thing that uh, that has worked for us is, is like we include all the people in, in every single decision. I mean, it's, we're still a small team, but also remote. We have our developers in Mexico. Uh, and whenever we're doing a campaign, uh, you know, for social media, we, we also tend to include, I mean, we include them 100% because they come up with ideas. I mean, that that, that it wouldn't occur to us. Yeah. Some people, yeah, I mean, everybody thinks differently, but that has created a team where we're, we know where, where our goals are, and we was like, okay, this is what we want to achieve. How do we do it? So we have the, you know, the people on the creative and, and people on the development side, and this, you know, all, you know has, has come up, you know, with, with phenomenal things for us, for such a small team. You have multicultural team. That so too. go diversity. Yeah. Woo! Correct. Well, I applaud that. Uh, have you seen the same thing for you, Miguel? Yeah, I mean, we we have a, a really diverse group as well, um, and it is it is gelled in in incredible ways. Um, and I, I really value the different perspectives that we all have. Um, you know, my CTO, co-founder, he's he's obviously a developer, but he he loves design, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the product manager is a uh, I don't even know what kind of metal music. Eric is listening to these days, but it's really, really, really aggressive, and he's a drummer. <laughs> Love it. Eliani, Eliani's into fitness, and and somehow we we all come together and do amazing things. I, I think we do things that I've seen. I remember doing some of the stuff we do. I remember doing it in like six months with a team of ten, and we do it somehow in uh, in four weeks with a team of of four right now, growing to seven. You know. <laughs> wow. No, that's that, that that's amazing. And now we go. So, what what are the next steps for um, for Claimbot? What, what what do you see this you know going into the next couple of years? Are you guys raising more money? Are you um, or are you just gonna grow it organically? Um, so with with the raise, we're we're good to go to go grow um, our customer base. So right now, Silver Car, which is a rental car company that's owned by Audi here in Austin, Texas. So Audi bought a company called Silver Car. Mm -hmm. It's like a technology mobility arm for Audi here in in Austin. They use us and our chatbots to automate all sorts of customer service requests. 
Um, we also have a customer in Australia, believe it or not. I mean, it doesn't get more oh. remote than that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we have a customer in the insurance space in Australia. How do they find uses, you? Uh, I was a speaker on AI at a conference in Nashville, Texas called the Warranty Innovation Conference. And the COO, chief customer officer, and uh, VP of Marketing of Brightside Cover, a warranty company in Australia, attended that conference, saw me speak, and um, five months later, we built a POC, and uh, eight months later, we signed a two-year deal to help their prospects quote and purchase insurance coverage using our technology, and then their customers file claims and check status on claims as well. So from the beginning to the end, our technology is able to to create those flows. So now we need to find um, more customers like that. So customers who have um, technology usually that people aren't using to ask the company questions um, and bring them to our technology to make sure that we can allow those customers to self-serve and create a better customer experience for their end users while driving some efficiencies for them. Um, auto and insurance is, is, our, is our sweet spot, and we're really focused on growing our sales there. I, I loved when I, when I saw that we were interviewing you today because... Do you remember, Edgar, about a month ago that I had a little issue with my husband's car? Oh, yeah. 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 So uh, I was driving my husband's car, and anyway, I hit a parked <laughs> car by accident, and the claim process was, you have been saying so many things that irritated me about the entire process, starting <laughs> with, you need to download an app. I'm like, why do I need to download an app? I already have, you know hundreds of apps on my phone. Why can't we just use the one that we have? And then it's this process back and forth, trying to talk to an agent over email and they give you a phone number, but the phone number is really not. It goes to their voicemail. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have to call you back. But here's the funny thing. I had my incident on March 14th of this year and I was leaving for Colombia on March 15th. So I'm trying to solve this situation from Colombia They can't call me there. Um, I have to call them using Wi-Fi and then using emails and using an app. It was such a convoluted process. And I wonder if maybe Safeco, if they're listening, you want to talk to Claimbot (laughs) about possibly... VP of Claims, VP of Customer Service, and COO's name, and uh, we'll we'll start working on it. it was a crazy... Just crazy convoluted process that didn't need to be convoluted. I spent so much time trying to find certain information that could have been uh, dealt with. It it was something that an AI would easily be able to find out for me. Like, all I wanted to know was what are, you know, the the in-network shops for my brand of car. That's it. That's all I need to know. And I literally, I'm, I mean... I'm very comfortable online. I can find stuff, and I couldn't find it for oh, the wow. life of me. And so I would have to email my claims representative and wait two days for her to respond. And then she would respond. She would make a mistake. She's like, oh, actually, no, they're not in your network. I'm sorry. They were three months ago. I'm like, dude, a robot can do this. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what, Miguel? There's, uh, maybe um, through our context, there's an incubator here in Portland. It's, uh, it's a collaboration between Jaguar and Land Rover. Yes. 
JLE, and they have um, you know, the, the Jaguar Land Rover incub- uh, incubator experiment. So we'll, we'll put you in contact with them because, it, you know, the, the, it's an accelerator for startups, but, I mean, you don't have to be here, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, please. Um, please. Um, I'd love have, to be in, in contact. Yeah, they have a beautiful space, and it's, again, you know, geared towards uh, startups and obviously in the software, um, but, you know, geared toward the auto, auto industry. So let, let, I'm going to make and a mobility. note. And mobility, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so there, there's a, yeah. Uh, and they've been going on for a, at least five, six years. So I'll, um, that, that's an idea because you know, there's obviously many applications. We have Daimler here also, you know, doing a lot of initiatives for their um, uh, trucks, the autonomous trucks. And we have, I'm, I'm literally looking at the campus from across the, the bay. Um, mm. So we do have, you know, that you know, especially in the smart mob- um, mobility, there's a, a strong following here in, in Portland. Yeah, I don't, I'd love I don't to. know. So I'll, yeah, I'll I'll kind of piggyback off of um, what what Silvio was saying to kind of paint the picture of how it is that we solve it, and then when you said what's next, like what's next for the company, and and what we think customer yeah. experience is going to be like for for auto and insurance. So we actually do like the beginnings of of what our technology solved was roadside assistance. Right, so mm-hmm. um, you might need a tow, or you might have a flat tire. This is a—it's a very common um, claim request in the insurance world. And for the last uh, two and a half years, we've been measuring people's appetite to use um, chatbots and virtual assistants versus calling a call center. Mm-hmm. And when we measure that, when I, the story I love saying is like there was once a woman four in the morning downtown Atlanta, stuck in a hospital. She needed a tow, and she landed on our customer's website, and it said like, "Do you want to call?" Or you want to share location using our chat mm-hmm. and 44% of people when faced with that decision will actually go to chat actually if you call and it says thanks for calling Omadi roadside assistance if you'd like to use our virtual assistant from your smartphone to request help press one 17% will actually you turn away from the call center agent and when they press one we send them a text message with a link to our chatbot solution oh wow okay so so we've been measuring um, that interaction and it's we think it's very valuable right because when the app doesn't download when you got to upgrade it when you finally have mm-hmm. to use it you, they ask you to do an update right um, yeah. or when the digital portals that companies have been investing in for years are just clunky and not mobile responsive they generate calls that frustrate customers and frustrate CFOs yes and it's, yes. you know, <laughs> so um, we're building the technology to avoid that right and today we can make a lot of money by driving that efficiency and better experience for the insurance and auto world but what's interesting is where's auto moving So we believe that by solving claims today, we're solving the most complex interaction that drivers will have with a auto company or insurance company, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Down the road, you're not going to own an Audi. You're going to subscribe to Audi and you're going to be able to change it, swap it. It's subscription car ownership, right? It's shared mobility. And car dealers, not car dealers, but car manufacturers, I've called Ford once in the last seven years on an airbag recall. When we shift into shared mobility and subscription car ownership, we're probably going to communicate with a car manufacturer 10 times a month. By solving the problems of insurance today, we're positioning ClaimBot to be the system of record for customer service for that future of mobility where our interactions are 10, 20-fold. And that's kind of where we're taking this company. The signals today are in insurance, right? Or they're coming Mm -hmm. from call centers or she called or you sent an email. Um, Down the road, that's a connected vehicle. I should know where she is. I should know what vehicle it is. Mm -hmm. I should be able to locate all the dealers that are near her that are authorized to provide that service. Um, So that's kind of where we see our product going. 
And I, it's the 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 adoption for your service is only going to go up. This is like the the beginning the, the beginning yeah. of when you saw the 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 lanes in the supermarket. What mm-hmm. are they called with without the, the cashier? The checkout lanes yeah, without the, the cashier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That people at first were like, ah, mm. do I really want to do this by myself? They just early adopters like me. We embrace new technology, but other people lag and they just need a little bit of time. Um, but the more comfortable people feel about like, oh, maybe I will try this yeah. this checkout line or maybe I will try this this you know chatbot thing and see how it goes. No, and you know what, Miguel, just as a validation, for, and this is not anecdotal, this is on our own startup, We, our platform, we used to have a, well, we still have a call center, but through a live chat, I mean, it's still a live chat, it's not automated, although we should because it's 99% of the things, like literally three questions. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, why did my payment didn't go through? And it's like, why, you know, so, so literally so basic. But with that, when we uh, when we implemented about a year and a half ago, a live chat in our app, mm-hmm. uh, we eliminated the call center 99%. So we literally don't have any more phone calls because people are on the app. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I have that question because before they ha- they'll have to get off the app and then try to articulate what was happening. And they're usually mad or, or they're like frustrated because, hey, what happened? And but like, oh, it's because you put the number wrong. Oh, okay, sorry. And That's it's it. done. Yeah, it's done. So it eliminated it el- eliminated our call center that cost. So now we have yeah. one or two people because the, the really we don't have that ginormous traffic because now everything has been worked through you know the UI UX process but we still have that chat but yeah I mean it, this is not I don't it it does work people you know even in in our demographic which is the Hispanic um, you know they would rather have that interaction say like, solve my problem right now. Well, it's right also, as a customer, index. you're spending less time versus Absolutely. waiting on a call like Absolutely. forty like have you tried calling like. You, uh, the postal service or, or anyone, social yeah. security, they put you on hold for an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah. No, no, no. And then you have to spell your name for the 90th time. Is it Sylvia with a Y? Is it Sylvia with an uh, I? I don't know where you are. You. <laughs> a GPS location. Uh-huh. Um, hey, yeah. you crashed in Austin, Texas. You don't know where you want to get a tow to. You don't know. I mean, so these are all things that, that we, we enjoy. I think Hispanics and Latinos are going to over index on chat because of the predominance of chat in Latin America. Yes. Um, and we we would love and like one of our thesis is to expand to Latin America first. So handle U.S. Hispanic mm-hmm. traffic in English and in Spanish and take a U.S. startup that moves towards Latin America. While most U.S. startups, just because of the talent base they have, end up expanding to, you know, England. Right. Yeah. For other English or Australia. <laughs> so I want to see my competitors. So yeah. I actually got a customer in Australia of all places. Right. So that, that really brings a question. U.S. Hispanic. <laughs> yeah, so that it used, you mentioned something earlier, and what you just said triggered another question that I have for you. So, are you looking into development in WhatsApp for business? Because Latinos use WhatsApp since the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. No, I don't. Or yeah. well, no, I do. I do. Come yeah. on. I do. Yes, yeah. it's a lot more. So, right now, ClaimBot supports uh, Messenger, SMS. Um, full-blown web from your mobile device and a chat widget on desktop, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's an abstracted um, brain that can be pointed anywhere. We're very keen on what's up for business. And this year, Christian went to F8 to see all of the latest. 
it still seems to be very, very early. Mm-hmm. Um, but our Australian customers, for example, want us on WhatsApp. We've abstracted our technology to be able to point it to whatever the next interface that uh, users demand is. I think WhatsApp would be fantastic, especially if we're going to say that we're going to expand to Latino and Latin America. Yes, I agree with you. I just think that there's a little bit of delay in adopting uh, from no. the customer side, adopting interactions with uh, businesses on WhatsApp. No, I've but well, I, I, because we're also trying to integrate, you know, see how can we integrate WhatsApp. And we, we're also, you know, at the FB startup, Facebook for startups. Um, and I believe the entire, I mean, it's not open yet. So is, is, is the platform, the WhatsApp platform, still not open for full development? And, we, and, and, you know, believe me, we would love to because we have a ginormous database of phone numbers that we would like to, yeah. first, of all, first of all, dump without getting um, into trouble with, with Facebook and, and then mm-hmm. start communicating on WhatsApp. We have over 100,000 numbers. Oh, wow. In the U.S. and Latin America, about 125,000 unique numbers. So we, you know, that would be our main plan. I mean, if that existed right now for us, it would be gold. And believe me, even the last uh, last Monday, we were, how can we, uh, how can we use it without, you know, making Mark Zuckerberg mad? I know. I just, <laughs> I think that there's a little bit of a hesitancy from the customer to interact with brands on WhatsApp. It's something that I've seen. No, no, no. Because we have, you know, let me tell you, we have a, a client in, in, in the entertainment business. She's using WhatsApp, her 200,000 members on her WhatsApp group, very effectively. She hasn't, uh, I mean, she hasn't figured out how to monetize it yet. But she's communicated with them. She's growing her brand uh, through her WhatsApp group. Wow. It is phenomenal. Yeah. So once that opens, who oh, go Lee. I mean, it's going to be sensational. But I, I don't know when I, you know, that's, I was also curious to hear from uh, Miguel to see if they knew something that we didn't know. I was like, we were hoping there was something big announced. I think Facebook's been so kind of distracted with privacy and data issues that, you know, it's uh, hopefully it'll be next year. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully, because I, I mean, I, and I know you know it, it can be pretty intrusive, um, and and it, it, it's a delicate balance. But you know, it, it's one of for us, you know, SM. I mean, you've seen it. SMS is one of the most effective marketing tools that that, that exists right now. You know, for at least for conversions. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're gonna wrap it up, Miguel. But anything else, you know, that that we want to con- conclude with? I mean, we got about um, five minutes here. So what's you know what, what's What's your plan? I mean, what's the exit strategy? What, 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 how do you invest in ClaimBot? Uh, ClaimBot has no exit without great people. I think that this, uh, this opportunity to talk to you and to get ClaimBot out there is an opportunity to make, you know, to meet people who are curious. We're listening to this type of content. Um, from summer interns to salespersons to a developer, there is no exit without great people committed to this company. So um, right now I want to focus on recruiting for this, for this opportunity. <laughs> okay, okay. No, phenomenal. No, well, that's yeah. great. Well, so if we can help you in, in, in any way, like like I said, you know, we, we, we make the commitments with Daimler and make the interest to the Jaguar Land Rover so, so you can keep growing. Um, and if you want, we're going to start looking at uh, maybe insurance companies. We've had some some other startups that work with insurance companies in Latin America. So that, that there might be some good leads there. Uh, Absolutely. And let me know how I can pay it forward from here in Austin. Um, I know you interviewed, you interviewed one of uh, our advisors, my Mark Rosa. Oh, yeah. Um, recently, he's <laughs> an advisor to the company and an incredible mentor of mine. Um, and if you need more context to Parallel 18, which is something I really recommend to all all founders, but even Latino founders even more so, it's an incredible experience to move your company to Puerto Rico for five years. 
$40,000 equity free. Uh, it's a great launching pad for, for any business. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll post it on social media so other people can, can, can look at it. And um, yeah, no, and saludos a, a Manuel. And yeah, you can have us with brisket anytime. So just, just say when. Exacto. Toda esa carne o, o una chuleta sí. cancán, algo así. Ahí va. El tipo apasionado de la comida, pero es un entrepreneur de cuatro. He's a great mentor, un tremendo, tremendo amigo de la compañía. Así que aquí en Ostitán, a las órdenes, para juntarnos todos. Bueno, pues les damos muchas gracias, Miguel. Una, estamos muy agradecidos de tenerte aquí en el programa. Ojalá pues, puedas venir a visitarnos pronto y a tu hermano, este, o nosotros sí, que estemos por allá. Visita al hermano y nos visita a nosotros. Claro, sí, sí. sí. Te, te tenemos aquí en el estudio. Pues te mandamos un, un, Lo mismo. Un abrazo. Feliz viernes. Igual, igual. Dijiste, ¿cuál es el Muchos el éxitos. Episodio de hoy? ¿Cuál es el 60 y qué? El episodio 67. Ah, wow. Pronto. Suena bien. Pronto en iTunes y en SoundCloud. Muchísimas gracias. Feliz viernes. Un abrazo. Miguel, un abrazo. Cuídate. No, no vemos. Bye. Okay, chao. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionist. For small businesses like yours, nothing is more valuable than real human interaction. It's why two out of three mobile web searches for those ready to buy end in a phone call to a business. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startupradio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code startupruby. Tell them Claudia and Edgar sent you. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin McLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 